You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. Now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Ancient Egypt was a civilization of ancient northeastern Africa, concentrated along the lower regis of the Nile River in what is now the modern country of Egypt. It is one of six civilizations to arise independently. Egyptian civilization followed prehistoric Egypt and coalesced around the year 3150 BC. With political unification of the Upper and Lower Egypt under the first pharaoh, Narmer. The history of ancient Egypt occurred in a series of stable kingdoms, separated by periods of relative instability known as intermediate periods. The Old Kingdom of the Early Bronze Age, the Middle Kingdom of the Middle Bronze Age, and the New Kingdom of the Late Bronze Age. Egypt reached the pinnacle of its power in the New Kingdom during the Ramside period, where it rivaled the Hittite Empire, Assyrian Empire, and Mitanni Empire, after which it entered a period of slow decline. Egypt was invaded or conquered by a succession of foreign powers such as the Canaanites, Libyans, Nubians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Archimedean Persians, and the Macedonians in the third intermediate period and the late period of Egypt. In the aftermath of Alexander the Great's death, one of his generals, Ptolemy Soter, established himself as the new ruler of Egypt. This Greek Ptolemaic kingdom ruled Egypt until 30 BC, when, under Cleopatra, it fell to the Roman Empire 
and became a Roman province. The success of ancient Egyptian civilization came partly from its ability to adapt to the conditions of the Nile River Valley for agriculture. This predictable flooding and controlled irrigation of the fertile valley produced surplus crops which supported a more dense population and social development and culture. With resources to spare, the administration sponsored mineral, mineral exploitation of the valley and surrounding desert regions, the early development of an independent writing system, the organization of collective construction and agricultural projects, trade with surrounding regions, and a military intended to defeat foreign enemies and assert Egyptian dominance. Motivating and organizing these activities was a bureaucracy of elite scribes, religious leaders, and administrators under the control of a pharaoh who ensured the cooperation and unity of the Egyptian people in the context of an elaborate system of religious beliefs. The many achievements of the ancient Egyptians include the quarrying, surveying, and construction techniques that supported the building of monumental pyramids, temples, and obelisks, a system of mathematics, a practical and effective system of medicine, irrigation systems and agricultural product techniques, and the first known planked boats. Egyptian fans and glass technology, new forms of literature, and the earliest known peace treaty made with the Hittites. Egypt has left a lasting legacy. Its art and architecture were widely copied and its antiquities carried off to the far corners of the world. Its monumental ruins have inspired the imagination of travelers and writers for centuries. A newfound respect for antiquities and excavations in early modern period by Europeans and Egyptians led to the scientific investigation of Egyptian civilization and a greater appreciation of its cultural legacy. The Nile has been the lifeline of its region for much of human history. The fertile floodplain of the Nile gave humans the opportunity to develop a settled agricultural economy and a more sophisticated centralized society that became a cornerstone in the history of human civilization. Nomadic modern human hunter-gatherers began living in the Nile Valley through the end of the Middle Pleistocene, some 120,000 years ago. By the late Paleolithic period, the arid climate of North Africa became increasingly hot and dry, forcing the populations of the area to concentrate along the river regions. In pre-dynastic and early dynastic times, the Egyptian climate was much less arid than it is today. 
large regions of Egypt were covered in treed savanna and traversed by herds of grazing ungulates. Foliage and fauna were far more prolific in all environments in the Nile regions, supported large populations of waterfall. Hunting would have been common for Egyptians, and this is also a period when many animals were first domesticated. By about 5,500 BC, small tribes living in the Nile Valley had developed into a series of cultures demonstrating firm control of agriculture and animal husbandry and identifiable by their pottery and their personal items, such as combs, bracelets, and beads. The largest of these early cultures in Upper Egypt was the Bandari, which probably originated in the Western Desert. It was known for its high-quality ceramics, stone tools, and use of copper. The Bandari was followed by the Armatayan and the Gerza cultures, which brought a number of technological improvements. As early as the Nakwada I period, pre-dynastic pre Egyptians imported obsidian from Ethiopia, used to shape blades and other objects from flakes. In the Nakata II times, early evidence exists of contact with the Near East, particularly Khan and the Byblos coast. Over a period of about a thousand years, the Nakata culture developed from a few small farming communities into a powerful civilization whose leaders were in complete control of the people and resources of the Nile Valley. Establishing a power center at Hyrcanopolis and later Abydos, Nakata III leaders expand their control of Egypt northwards along the Nile. They also traded with Nubia to the south, the oasis of the western desert to the west, and the cultures of the eastern Mediterranean and Near East to the east. Royal Nubians' burials at Kustul produced artifacts bearing the oldest known examples of Egyptian dynastic symbols, such as the white crown of Egypt and the falcon. The Nakata culture manufactured a diverse selection of material goods, reflective of the increasing power and wealth of the elite, as well as the societal personal use items, which include combs, small statuary painted pottery, high quality decorative stone vases, cosmetic palettes, and jewelry made of gold, lapis, and ivory. They also developed a ceramic glaze known as fans, which was used well into the Roman period to decorate cups 
amulets and figurines. During the last pre-dynastic phase, the Nagata culture began using written symbols that were eventually were developed into a full system of hieroglyphics for writing ancient Egyptian language. The early dynastic period, circa 3050 to 2685 BC. The early dynastic period was approximately contemporary to the Sumerian Akkadian civilization of Mesopotamia and ancient Elam. The third century BC Egyptian priest Manetho grouped the long line of pharaohs from Menes to his own time into 30 dynasties, a system still used today. He chose to begin his official history with the king named Menai, or Menes in Greek, who was believed to have united the two kingdoms of Upper and Lower Egypt around the year 3100 BC. The transition to a unified state happened more gradually than ancient Egyptian writers represented, and there is no contemporary record of Menes. Some scholars now believe, however, that the mythical Menes may have been the pharaoh Narmer, who was depicted wearing royal regalia on the ceremonial Narmer palette in a symbolic act of unification. Early in the early dynastic period, around 3150 BC, the first of the dynastic pharaohs solidified control over Lower Egypt by establishing a capital at Memphis from which he could control the labor force and agriculture of the fertile Delta region, as well as the lucrative and critical trade routes to the Levant. The increasing power and wealth of the pharaohs during the early dynastic period was reflected in their elaborate mastaba tombs and mortuary cult structures at Ibydos, which were used to celebrate the deified pharaoh after his death. The strong institution of kingship developed by the pharaohs served to legitimize state control over the land, labor, and resources that were essential to the survival and growth of ancient civilization. The Old Kingdom, circa 2686 to 2181 BC. Major advances in architecture, art, and technology were made during the Old Kingdom, fueled by the increased agricultural productivity and resulting population made possible by a well-developed central administration. Some of ancient Egypt's crowning achievements the Giza Pyramid and the Great Sphinx were constructed during the Old Kingdom, 
Under the direction of the Vizier, state officials collected taxes, coordinated irrigation projects to improve crop yield, drafted peasants to work on construction projects, and established a justice system to maintain peace and order. Along with the rising importance of a central administration, arose a new class of educated scribes and officials who were granted estates by the pharaoh in payment for their services. Pharaohs also made land grants to their mortuary cults and local temples to ensure that these institutions had the resources to worship the pharaoh after his death. Scholars believe that five centuries of these practices slowly eroded the economic power of the pharaoh and that the economy could no longer afford to support a large centralized administration. As the power of the pharaoh diminished, regional governors called nomarchs began to challenge the supremacy of the pharaoh. Thus, coupled with severe drought between the years 2200 and 2150 BC, is assumed to have caused the country to enter the 140-year period of famine and strife known as the First Intermediate Period. The First Intermediate Period 2181 through 1991 BC begins after Egypt's central government collapsed at the end of the Old Kingdom. The administration could no longer support or stabilize the country's economy. Regional governors could not rely on the king for help in times of crisis, and the ensuing food shortages and political disputes escalated into famines and small-scale civil wars. Yet, despite difficult problems, local leaders owing no tribute to the pharaoh used newfound independence to establish a thriving culture in the provinces. Once in control of their own resources, the provinces became economically richer, which was demonstrated by larger and better burials burials among these all social classes. In bursts of creativity, provincial artisans adopted and adapted cultural motifs formerly restricted to the royalty of the Old Kingdom, and scribes developed liter literary styles that expressed the optimism and the originality of that period. Free from their loyalties to the pharaohs, local rulers began competing with each other for territorial control and political power. By 2160 BC, rulers in Heraclius controlled Lower Egypt in the north, while a rival clan based in the Thebes, the Intef family, took control of Upper Egypt in the south. 
As the Intefs grew in power and expanded their control northward, a clash between the two rival dynasties became inevitable. Around 2055 BC, the northern Theban forces under Nebuhetri Menetupotep II finally defeated the Herculeopotans rulers, reuniting the two lands. They inaugurated a period of economic and cultural renaissance known as the Middle Kingdom. The Middle Kingdom, 2134 through 1690 BC. The pharaohs of the Middle Kingdom restored the country's prosperity and stability, thereby stimulating a resurgence of art, literature, and monumental building projects. Mentuhotep II and his 11th dynasty successor ruled from Thebes, but the vizier Anamahat I, upon assuming kingship at the beginning of the 12th dynasty around 1985 BC, shifted the nation's capital to the city of Itajawa, located in Fayyam. From Itajawa, the pharaohs of the 12th dynasty undertook a far-sighted land reclamation and irrigation scheme to increase agriculture output in the region. Moreover, the military reconquered territory in Nubia that was rich in quarries and gold mines, while laborers built a defense structure in the eastern delta called the Walls of the Ruler to defend against foreign attack. With the pharaohs having secured military and political security and vast agricultural and mineral wealth, the nation's population, arts, and religion flourished in contrast to elitists Old Kingdom attitudes towards the gods, the Middle Kingdom experienced an increase in expression of personal piety and what could be called a democratization of the afterlife, in which all people possessed a soul and could be welcomed into the company of the gods after death. Middle Kingdom literature featured sophisticated themes and characters written in a confident, eloquent style. The relief and portrait sculpture of the period captured subtle, individual details that reached new heights of technical perfection. The last great ruler of the Middle Kingdom, Amenhemet III, allowed Semitic-speaking Canite settlers from the Near East into the Delta region to provide a sufficient labor force for his especially active mining and building campaigns. These ambitious building and mining activities, however, 
combined with severe Nile floods later in his reign, strained the economy and precipitated the slow decline into the second intermediate period during the latter 13th and 14th dynasties. During this decline, the Canaanite settlers began to seize control of the Delta region, eventually becoming, coming to power in Egypt as the Hycosis. The Second Intermediate Period in 1674 through 1549 BC. Around 1785 BC, as the power of the Middle Kingdom's pharaohs weakened, a Western Asia people called the Hycosos had already settled in the eastern delta town of Avaris, seized control of Egypt, and forced the central government to retreat to Thebes. The pharaoh was treated as a vassal and expected to pay tribute. The Hycosis retained Egyptian models of government and identified pharaohs, thus integrating Egyptian elements into their culture. They and other invaders introduced new tools of warfare into Egypt, most notably the composite bow and the horse-drawn chariot. After their retreat, the native Theban kings found themselves trapped between the Canaanite Hyskos ruling in the north and the Hyskos Nubian allies, the Kushites, to the south of Egypt. After years of vassalage, Thebes gathered enough strength to challenge the Hycosos in a conflict that lasted more than 30 years until the year 1555 BC. The pharaohs Sekrenri Tau II and Kamoz were ultimately able to defeat the Nubians to the south of Egypt, but failed to defeat the Hycosos to the north. That task fell on Kamos's successor, Amos's I, who successfully waged a series of campaigns that permanently eracted the Hycosis presence in Egypt. He established a new dynasty in the new kingdom that followed the military became a central priority for the pharaohs seeking to expand Egypt's borders and attempting to gain mastery of the Near East. The New Kingdom, 1549 to 1069 BC. The New Kingdom pharaohs established a period of unprecedented prosperity by securing their borders and strengthening diplomatic ties with their neighbors, including the Mitanni Empire, Assyria, Canaan, and others. Military campaigns waged under Tuthmosis I 
and his grandson Tutmosis III extended the influence of the pharaohs to the largest empire Egypt had ever seen. Between their reigns, Hatshepsut generally promoted peace and restored trade routes lost during the Hycosis occupation, as well as expanding to new regions. When Tutmosis III died in 1425 BC, Egypt had an empire extending from Nia in the north, west to Syria to the fourth waterfall of the Nile in Nubia, cementing loyalties and opening access to critical imports such as bronze and wood. The New Kingdom pharaohs began a large-scale building campaign to promote the god Amun, whose growing cult was based in Karnak. They also constructed monuments to glorify their own achievements, both real and imagined. The Karnak Temple is the largest Egyptian temple ever built. The pharaoh Hatshepsut used such hyperbole and grandeur during her reign of almost 22 years. Her reign was very successful, marked by extended periods of peace and wealth building, trade expeditions to Punt, restoration of foreign trade networks, and great building projects, including an elegant mortuary temple that rivaled the Greek architecture of a thousand years later, a colossal pair of obelisks and a chapel at Karnak. Despite her achievements, Amenhotep II, the heir to Hatshepsut's nephew, stepson, Tutmosis III, sought to erase her legacy near the end of his father's reign and throughout his touting many of her accomplishments as his own. He tried to change many established traditions that had developed over the centuries, which some suggest was a futile attempt to prevent other women from becoming pharaoh and to curb their influence in the kingdom. Around the year 1350 BC, the stability of the new kingdom seemed threatened further when Amenhotep IV ascended the throne and instituted a series of radical and chaotic reform. Changing his name to Akhenaten, he touted the previously obscure sun deity Aten as the supreme deity, suppressed the worship of most other deities, and attacked the power of the temple that had become dominated by the priest of Amun in Thebes, who he saw as corrupt. Moving the capital to the new city of Akintaten, which is modern-day Armarna, Akhenaten turned a deaf ear to the events in the Near East, where the Hittites, Mentani, 
and Assyrians were vying for control. He was devoted to his new religion and artistic style. After his death, the cult of Aten was quickly abandoned, and the priests of Amun soon regained power and returned the capital to Thebes. Under their influence, the subsequent pharaohs Tutankhamun, A, and Horembe worked to erase all mention of Akhenaten's heresy, now known as the Amarna period. Around 1279 BC, Ramses II, also known as Ramses the Great, ascended the throne and went on to build more temples, erect more statues and obelisks, and sire more children than any other pharaoh in history. A bold military leader, Ramses II held, led his army against the Hittites in the Battle of Kadesh in modern Syria, and, after fighting to a stalemate, finally agreed to the first recorded peace treaty around 1258 BC. With both the Egyptian and Hittite Empire proving unable to gain the upper hand over one another, and both powers also fearful of the expanding Middle Assyrian Empire, Egypt withdrew from much of the Near East. The Hittites were thus left to compete unsuccessfully with the powerful Assyrians in the newly arrived Phrygians. Egypt's wealth, however, made it a tempting target for invasion, particularly by the Libyan Berbers to the west and the Sea Peoples a conjectured confederate of seafarers from the Aegean Sea. Initially, the military was able to repel these invasions, but Egypt eventually lost control of its remaining territories in southern Canaan, much of it falling to the Assyrians. The effect of external threats were exaggerated by internal problems such as corruption, tomb robbery, and civil unrest. After regaining their power, the high priests at the Temple of Amun in Thebes accumulated vast tracts of land and wealth, and their expended power splintered the country during the Third Intermediate Period. The Third Intermediate Period, from the year 1069 to 653 BC. Following the death of Ramses XI in the year 1078 BC, Smendes assumed authority over the northern part of Egypt, ruling from the city of Tanis. The south was effectively controlled by the high priests of Amun at Thebes, who recognized Smedans in name only. During this time, Berber tribes from what was later to be called Libya had been settling in the western delta, 
and the chieftains of these settlers began increasing their autonomy. Libyan princes took control of the delta under Shoshken, the first in 945 BC, founding the Libyan Berber or Bubasite dynasty that ruled from some 200 years. Shoshang also gained control of southern Egypt by placing his family members in important priestly positions. In the mid-9th century BC, Egypt made a failed attempt to once more gain a foothold in Western Asia. Orsorkin II of Egypt, along with a large alliance of nations and people including Persia, Israel, Hamath, Phoenicia, Canaan, and the Arabs, Armenes, and Neo-Hittites, among others, engaged in the Battle of Karkar against the powerful Assyrian king Shalmaneser III in the year 853 BC. However, this coalition of powers failed and the Neo-Assyrian Empire continued to dominate Western Asia. Libyan Berber control began to erode as rival native dynasties in the Delta arose under Leonotopolis. Also the Nubians of the Kushites threatened Egypt for the lands to the south. Drawing on a millennia of interaction, trade, acculturation, occupation, assimilation, and war with Egypt, the Kushite king Pai left his Nubian capital of the Natapa and invaded Egypt around the year 727 BC. Paya easily seized control of Thebes and eventually the Nile Delta. He recorded the episode on his Stella of Victory. Paya set the stage for subsequent 25th dynasty pharaohs, such as Tarhaka, to reunite, reunite the two lands of northern and southern Egypt. The Nile Valley Empire was as large as it has been since the New Kingdom. The 25th dynasty ushered in a renaissance period for ancient Egypt. Religion, the arts, and architecture were restored to their glorious old, middle, and new kingdom forms. Pharaohs such as Taharqa built or restored temples and monuments throughout the Nile Valley, including at Vempus, Karnak, Kawa, Jebel Barkal. It was during the 25th dynasty that there was the first widespread construction of pyramids, many in modern Sudan in the Nile Valley area since the Middle Kingdom. Paya made various unsuccessful attempts to extend Egyptian influence in the Near East, then con controlled by Assyria. 
in the year 720 BC, he sent an army of support of a rebellion against Assyria, which was taking place in Philistia and Gaza. However, Pia was defeated by Sargon II, and the rebellion failed. In 711 BC, Pia again supported a revolt against Assyria by the Israelites of Ashdod, and once again was defeated by the Assyrian king, Sargon II. Subsequently, Pia was forced from the Near East. From the 10th century BC onwards, Assyria fought for control of the southern Levant. Frequently, cities and kingdoms of the southern Levant appealed to Egypt for aid in their struggle against the powerful Assyrian army. Tarahakwa enjoyed some initial success in his attempts to regain a foothold in the Near East. Tarahakwa, aided by Judean king Hezekiah, when Hezekiah and Jerusalem were besieged by the Assyrian king Sennacherib. Scholars disagree on the primary reason for the Assyrians' abandonment of their siege on Jerusalem. Reasons for the Assyrians' withdrawal range from conflict with the Egyptian Kushite army to divine intervention to surrender to disease. Some argue that the Kushite Egyptian army saved Jerusalem from the Assyrians and prevented the Assyrians from returning to capture Jerusalem for the remaining of Sennacherib's life, which was 20 years. Some argue that disease was the primary reason for failing to actually take the city. However, Shannonarib's annuals claim Judah was forced into tribute regardless. Sennacheribs had been murdered by his own sons for destroying the rebellious city of Babylon, a city sacred to all Mesopotamians, the Assyrians included. In 674 BC, Eskahardin launched a preliminary incursion into Egypt. However, this attempt was repelled by Takahara. However, in 671 BC, Esarhaddon launched a full-scale evasion. Part of his army stayed behind to deal with the rebellion in Phoenicia and Israel. The remainder went south to Rapahu, then crossed the Sinai and entered Egypt. Esarhaddon decisively defeated Tarahaka, took Memphis, Thebes, and all the major cities of Egypt, and Tarahaka was chased back to his Nubian homeland. Esarhaddon now called himself King of Egypt, Patros and Cush, and returned with rich booty from the cities of the Delta. He erected a victory stell at, his t at this time and paraded the captive prince Ushankaru, the son of Tarakar in Nevaim. 
Esarhaddon stationed a small army in northern Egypt and describes how all Ethiopians I deported from Egypt, leaving not one left to do homage to me. He installed native Egyptian princes throughout the land to rule on his behalf. The conquests by Esarhaddon effectively marked the end of the short-lived Kushite Empire. However, the native Egyptian rulers installed by Esarhaddon were unable to retain full control of the whole country for long. Two years later, Tahakra returned from Nubia and seized control of a section of southern Egypt as far north as Memphis. Esarhaddon prepared to return to Egypt and once more eject Tahakra. However, he fell ill and died in his capital, Nineveh, before he left Assyria. His successor, Ashurbanipal, sent an Assyrian general named Shanabu Shu with a small but well-trained army, which conclusively defeated Taharaqa at Memphis and once more drove him from Egypt. Taharquat died in Nubia two years later. His successor, Tanatamun, also made a failed attempt to regain Egypt for Nubia. He successfully de de defeated Necho, the native Egyptian puppet ruler installed by Ashburnalipal, taking Thebes in the process. The Assyrians then sent a large army southward. Tantamani was heavily routed and fled back to Nubia. The Assyrian army sacked Thebes to such an extent it never truly recovered. A native ruler, Samathicus I, was placed on the throne as a vassal of Ashurbanipal, and the Nubians were never again to pose a threat to either Assyria or Egypt. The late period, from the year 672 to 332 BC, with no permanent plans for conquest, the Assyrians left control of Egypt to a series of vassals who became known as the Satiate Kings of the 26th Dynasty. By 653 BC, the Satiate King Samatik I, taking advantage of the fact that the Assyria was involved in a fierce war conquering Alam and that few Assyrian troops were stationed in Egypt, was able to free Egypt relatively peacefully from Assyrians' vassalage with the help of Lydian and Greek mercenaries, the latter of whom were recruited to form Egypt's first navy. 
Samatik and his successors, however, were careful to maintain peaceful relations with Assyria. Greek influence expanded greatly as the cities of Nakertis became the home of all the Greeks in the delta in the land of Egypt. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.